From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, May 19th. Moab area officials made it clear once again that they are not interested in approving development outright. In exchange for higher densities, they want something for locals, like deed-restricted housing. Last week, the Red Rock Development Group presented before the Grand County Planning Commission. Their plan? 54 single-family houses adjacent to the Moab Golf Course and close to the entrance of the Steelbender OHV Trail. They asked for higher density in order to concentrate the homes near a flatter section of land and preserve some open space. It's a difficult piece of land because there are a lot of slopes and grades and um, rock fins and other things that um, make it difficult, um, which is perhaps why it wasn't developed on Uh, previously. Nick Cannon purchased this piece of property with the intention of moving to Moab. When he was denied a water well permit, he said he realized the property would need costly improvements in order to hook into county water infrastructure. That's where the idea for a development came in. Single-family homes, recreational facilities, including pickleball, and a pool. Really what we're trying to do here is to create a community um, that is respectful of the land and really a, a community that I can that we can live in and, and call home. You know, our master plan and layout really tries to respect the topography and um, to keep things in line with what would work there. The plan would preserve roughly one third of the 73 acre property as open space, but that concession was not enough for planning commissioners. Maketa Barkley. I can only. Imagine that this kind of housing development is going to be targeted for second homes, individuals interested in luxury residences in Moab moving here. And it's interesting that you've chosen not to pursue the affordable designation for any of the property. So do you envision this being targeted for locals or any kind of restriction on people being employed here? Or is it just going to be a lot of second homes? What's the vision here? I think we are agnostic to whomever wants to to buy it if they want to live in the area. Our estimates are somewhere in the $8 million range to bring in utilities for water, sewer, electricity and gas and roads to that area. Uh, It it unfortunately doesn't um, fit with what works for an affordable house. A few homes in the Moab Golf Course area are currently listed on Realtor.com. They range between $750,000 and $850,000. Planning Commissioner Steve Evers brought up the potential price points of similar development as a concern. He said this project has the potential to bring 50 $1 million homes to the end of the valley. Ultimately, what I see with this is the county making some concessions that ultimately is is going to be more harmful uh, in terms of um, really gentrification. Um, And so we're making some concessions and we're not really getting anything in in return. I just see that that's pretty risky and really just not a benefit for the county as a whole in terms of affordability and and overall um, housing stock. Planning commissioners took a vote and were not in favor of the development's rezone application. According to county staff, developers are holding off from advancing their application to the county commission. Their elected officials would also likely not approve a rezone without something for local housing. Developers, if they're not willing to produce a certain amount of deed-restricted units, we're not having it. 
I mean, period. Grand County Commissioner Trish Hadeen. And I, and I can't speak for the Planning Commission. I can't speak for the County Commission, but at least the trend that I've been seeing is we're not really willing to give up that density and we're going to be giving away density. We want something in return. Workforce housing is currently Grand County's top planning initiative. They are looking into requiring workforce housing for all projects. The Planning Commission will discuss some options related to rezoning at their next meeting on Monday, how developers might strengthen their applications by voluntarily offering workforce or affordable units, or even paying a fee in lieu of those deed restrictions. The county currently has an ordinance on the books offering a density bonus in return for affordable housing. But county staff says so far they haven't seen developers opt into that. Warmer days are here, and the snow that supplies most of the water to the Colorado River is melting. Our drought-stricken region needs all the water it can get. So as winter comes to a close in the mountains, KUNC's Alex Hager tells us what we can expect for a summer in the Colorado River Basin. In the middle of the summer, a rainy day in the arid west can feel as satisfying as the long drink in the desert. But really, those precious summer rains barely move the needle when it comes to water. Regardless of what you get in the summer, what really impacts the water availability in the Colorado River is what happens in the winter. That's Becky Bollinger, Colorado's assistant state climatologist. It's worth zooming in on Colorado because snow that falls high in the Rockies makes up two-thirds of the water that flows through the Colorado River, supplying 40 million people across the southwest. So how much snow is there right now? Well, in most spots, close to 90 percent of normal. But not all of that snow is going to make it into the rivers. Unfortunately, we're dealing with dry soils from the previous start of the season, meaning that a lot of that is going to recharging the soils. Because Colorado has seen back-to-back dry years, the dirt is parched. So when snow melts on top of it, it acts like a sponge, soaking up water on its way downhill. And a lot of the snow is melting earlier than normal. Carl Wetlaufer is one of Colorado's top snow researchers. He says that early melt is partially thanks to wind, which blows dust around. When that dust reaches the surface, it retains a lot more of the energy from the sun. So we've also seen a dramatically accelerated snow melt pattern and, uh, and resulting streamflow runoff due to that dust on the snowpack. Between the dust, the dry soil, and the higher-than-normal temperatures, mountain snow won't be as helpful as the Colorado River needs it to be. It is going to be many, many years before I think we're going to be able to get back up to any, any semblance of normalcy. The region banks up a stash of water in reservoirs from Wyoming to Arizona, and those reserves are getting drained because homes and farms keep drawing water out, and the snowmelts just can't keep up. I would definitely say that this year's snowpack is not going to be enough to substantially increase those storage values. The thinking is the same downstream. Erin Ann Saffel is the Arizona state climatologist, where mountain snow is still the difference maker for things like underground water storage. We really depend on our winter precipitation, the snowpack kind of melting and moving into our groundwater more than we um, 
pay attention to or rely on what happens with our summer precipitation because the nature of the precipitation is different. But enough about snow. Even though it does the heavy lifting in the Colorado River Basin, what falls in the summer does still matter. It's just more subtle. It recharges the stock ponds for the ranchers. Those kinds of things are what we pay attention to. So when we don't get that summer precipitation, there are implications. And even back up north where the Colorado River starts, rain in the warmer months makes a difference for things like limiting the risk for wildfires, keeping the temperatures from getting too hot, and hopefully keeping the soils from drying out too much before the start of the next snowpack season. It's hard for climate scientists to map out the months ahead. Right now, the big question is if that summer rain will arrive when we need it. After the memory of the snowpack is long gone and you need that summer moisture to carry you through to the fall. And that is a component that is really hard to predict far out. What we do know, hot and dry years have been stacking up in the Colorado River Basin, and human-caused climate change is making it less and less likely that things will cool off and get wetter anytime soon. I'm Alex Hager. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by our partners at KUNC and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, May 19th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.